This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record, North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of The Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore high school sports. From the Friday Night Drive, I'm Michael Dwojek here with The Record, North Shore founding member Joe Coglin, and we've got a really fun episode for you guys where um, it's we always always like to talk about you know the special episodes of having a state championship uh, episode. Um, Joe, I'm not sure if we've ever had two state championships to talk about in one episode, but um, we're going to have that in this week's episode. So uh, something to look forward to. Um, we've got two soccer championships to talk about. We got playoff football, uh, state uh, cross country, and then we've got some swimming to look at. So a lot to talk about in this week's episode, jam packed as some people like to call it, but. Um, we'll do our regular four-quarter format. In the first quarter, we're going to recap everything. Second quarter, we're going to hear from happy Nutrier Boys soccer members as uh, they celebrate a state championship. In the third quarter, we're going to play Way or No Way, our weekly guessing game. And then in the fourth quarter, we preview uh, some state football as well as state swimming. So a lot of stuff to get to in this week's episode. Just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you give us a nice little like and subscribe. Um, that always helps us uh, get to more viewers and uh, listeners, I guess. Uh, viewers would not be good because I don't know if this is a motley crew you want to view, but um, <laughs> definitely you want to listen to. Um, so hopefully, uh, please make sure to uh, like that. We always appreciate your support um, in every episode. All right, let's get things started here, Joe, by... Uh, why don't we hit on football to start things off, um, and then we'll get to our state champions and kind of focus on them for a little bit here in the first quarter and the second quarter. But um, let's start things off with Loyola. Loyola beat Nico Valley 33-6. to uh, They're advancing to the quarterfinals yet again. Um, I feel like this one is kind of an easy one to just put a bow tie on, just a performance from Loyola that we've seen many times over the past few years. And uh, just another dominating performance from Rambler team that, you know, performed well offensively and defensively. Yeah, right off the bat, they got going, they got it working and uh, scored on their first drive and didn't let up really until um, second half and their reserves were in. And um, yeah, just Loyola doing what Loyola has done, at least, um, I mean, for, for many years, but with this crew, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty new crew and um They've shown all year they've been able to do this against good opponents and um, all opponents, I should say. Um, so you know it's not supposed to be uh, this easy going, this easy looking going forward. But Rambler surely made this second round matchup look pretty simple. Yeah, that's pretty much all we can really talk about in this week's episode. I just think you know you saw the regular characters who have been doing well for Loyola, and we'll talk more about them in the fourth quarter as we preview their quarterfinal matchup against St. Ignatius, but. Loyola winning uh, 33-6 to to move on to the quarterfinals yet again. Uh, we'll talk more about that later on. Highland Park played Kerry Grove, Joe, here in the second uh, round. And um, a really interesting matchup just for the you know Giants making it to the second round, a big year for them, and uh, kind of ended the way we kind of expected to. Uh, Kerry Grove just with that triple option and being able to you know consistently have playoff experience and do a lot of good stuff, kind of did that again. Um, against Highland Park, and uh, um, there was actually a lot more scoring than I expected in a 49-29 win for the Trojans, but uh, the Giants not really able to keep up there, um, especially in what kind of, you know, we talked about this in the shootout that, you know, Kerry Grove was just going to be able to, you know, outlast the Giants in. Yeah, just just the um, 
not a great matchup for the Giants. Uh, as we talked about, Kara Grove does well, what Highland Park might not. And uh, they took advantage of that. But give credit, you know, we talked all year about the Giants offense can score. You know, they can they can put up points and they basically put up 30 points here in a second round playoff matchup. And um, not too much to hang your head about. Of course, they wanted to stun the world, pull off an upset here, but um, didn't happen. But a pretty good performance. Another you know, uh, senior quarterback, David Finford, goes off on a, uh, a big note, um, another 400-plus yards of total offense, including his passing yards, and ran for close to 100 once again, threw three touchdowns, just a, an unbelievable year for him. I mean, I think he's in, in 6A. He's an all-state candidate, what he put together. We'll, we'll see what his stats will do. A, we'll do some football um, – um, capsules um, here now that we have a couple teams finished and um, we'll see but he, he averaged over 200 yards a game and um, threw for 300 in this one um, Anthony Blummer had 10 catches Johnny Walker had another touchdown just good stuff for them and I think they are really proud of what they were able to put out there this year and really a, a, a milestone year for the for the Giants. Yeah I mean if you account for you know what the offense was able to do Finfer you know accounted for um, you know, more than 400 total yards on his own. He had 97 rushing yards, 311 passing. Um, total offense had 421 yards of offense. Um, the offense really showed up, but defensively, it just didn't, didn't seem like the Giants had many answers to figure out a way to stop Kerry Grove. And um, it's multi, you know, the you know, multifaceted way of approaching offense. Yeah, absolutely. It's just you know, their defense has. Um, struggled at times this year, especially against the run. We talked about um, that happening against Deerfield and that happening against Conant. Um, and it happened here. Um, they can just be vulnerable in spots and uh, um, had some tackling issues here and there, but um, their offense picked them up. Their defense has also played very well in spots. It's really um, just putting, getting them in, in the right spot for them to succeed. And Kerry Grove uh, took advantage of some, some holes there. So um, kind of what we thought would happen and we just kind of hoped maybe that uh, we could get some turnovers or or maybe Kerry Grove would would stumble a little bit and that's just not what happens in playoff football sometimes all right we'll we'll touch on this a little bit maybe in the third quarter but you know obviously it didn't end the way the Giants wanted to but you have to say that this was a successful season for the program just you know making the playoffs winning that first playoff game for a long time um, I know obviously they would have wanted to maybe win this PSL North and you know, make it obviously farther and win a state championship. But for where this program is at, this felt like a really big stepping stone season. And um, it'll be really interesting to see how much they're able to build off of that here in the off season. Yeah, 100%. And I think um, their their numbers have also steadily grown the past few years throughout the program. Um, you know, they might take a step back in the win total next year because we're talking losing, I don't know, 10 to 12, three-year starters uh, and a bunch more seniors. So, uh, it's it's going to take a while, but I think within the program now we have a base uh, to hopefully develop that talent. And and you know once you get the numbers in the program, that's that's huge just to get them in in the funnel and, and then develop them. Um, so um, yeah, I think uh, success breeds more success. So hopefully we'll have even bigger numbers. And I think it's like you said, huge huge step forward. All right, we'll chat more about that later in the podcast. But let's get on over now to the celebrations where we got two state championships to look at. Um, and let's start with the uh, maybe let's start with uh, North Shore Country Day here. Um, we talked about it the last couple weeks about, you know, are they going to make state finals? 
are they going to win the state championship? And um, obviously the road kind of seemed tough against uh, some really strong talent, but, you know, North Shore Country Day on Thursday was able to beat Peoria Christian two to nothing in order to make the state championship game. And then in that two to, in that state championship game on Saturday, um, they controlled the pace. They controlled um, and did exactly what they wanted to do in order to win that state championship two to nothing over normal university. It just, it, it felt like kind of a storybook, you know, story, Joey, just, you know, being able to put everything together and being able to, you know, capitalize when they needed to the most. Yeah. Um, this was just a, a really good team um, for a few years. And, uh, you know, we talked to coach Kyle Jones about that after this one um, and he, he kind of felt like you know this this is what they were trending toward um they were trending toward being the best team in 1a and, and they just got on a run here at the end where uh they were just kind of taking care of business um and uh i think that we had four straight 2-0 victories uh, you know I, I think i have tw- they were 26 and one in the postseason um goals four against uh versus goals against and that one goal was in actually their opening round nine to one victory so really um you could look at it as they pitch shutouts uh, the whole season um or the whole uh postseason um just really hit their stride and uh special unit special seniors danny becker uh is a guy who's been up on varsity for a while uh late steel is a guy who um is an all-state caliber player and uh, he was the conference player of the year. Uh, I think he ended up with about uh, 16, uh, 14, 15. It uh, looks like, actually, I just pulled it up. About 10 goals of 12 assists. Uh, Danny Becker had 17 goals. This is a very good team. And uh, they were just anchored by those guys up front. They could score very quickly on you. Were great offset pieces. Uh, and they just hit your stride. In the, in the, in the title game, they put um, a goal on um, within the first five minutes. So... Uh, this team definitely deserved to be there, and they showed why. Yeah, I mean, Henry Gullen scored that early goal that you mentioned to give uh, the Raiders a one nothing lead less than five minutes in, um, and then they got that uh, insurance goal to uh, secure the win. But um, you mentioned all those different names, and I think that's the impressive thing about this, you know, North Shore Country Day team is that, you know, you've got a lot of talented players who are able to, you know, play their roles and really step up big in, in big moments. And you kind of need that when it comes time to winning a state championship, you know, having those different guys come up big and, uh, you know, play up to their roles. Yeah. And I think the, you know, um, the, the experience is a great thing. we got a lot of seniors here, a lot of guys who've been up on varsity for a while. You got um, seniors on the attack as well as a senior goalie was huge for them. And Aaron, um, Aram Dombagliagian, <laughs> I screwed that up so bad. Um, but uh, he, he was great. He was the goalkeeper of the year in the conference. Um, the defenders, like I said, they had uh, basically pitched a shutout throughout the postseason. Um, that experience um, with kind of this energy and intensity, that, you know, Coach talked about as well. I talked to Danny Becker as well. They talked about they just uh, put it on you, and they didn't let up until the, the game was out, you know, out of reach or, or over the final buzzer. Um, a lot of intensity in this team. Built with that experience, uh, very tough to beat. Congratulations to them. Obviously, we will uh, hear more and talk about them a little bit more here later in the podcast. But let's go over to now to the other state champions, um, and that is the Nutrier boys soccer team claiming the 3A title. Um, they defeated 
Last time we talked, we talked about them uh, getting back into their uh, super sectional game because of the delays of snow. Uh, they beat St. Charles East 2-1 to one in order to advance to the state finals. They beat uh, a local rival, Glenbrook North, 2 to nothing in the semifinals on Friday and then defeated Lions 3-1 to one in order to capture the state championship. Just a, a really dominating week for the Trevians show. You know, just being able to survive St. Charles East, beating a team that they know really well, GBN, and then beating Lions, a, another team that they're fairly familiar with in order to win it all. Yeah, um, an un, a remarkable run for the Trevians. Just really special. Um, one for the history books, of course, but um, so many pieces go into this, and, and you, you kind of talked about the one. It, it seemed they were just knocking off, um, you know, um, big, big opponent after big opponent here, as you do in Class 3A, but everything had a backstory um, from Evanston in the sectional semis to kind of upstart Leiden, who was in there as a five seed, really pushed them to the max. They went to penalty kicks, Nutria did, in the regional final against Taft. I mean, that can be a loss, but they persevered. Um, then you go St. Charles East, uh, victory for the Supers, and then you got Glenbrook North, who's the only team that gave you a loss this year, uh, and you put two on them and, and get that victory to put you in the finals, and then Lions, obviously one of the best programs. But uh, they were on such a run there, I, I felt pretty confident that no one was stopping um, Nutria kind of after their couple wins in, in the before getting in the state finals. They just felt like they were – doing something special. Um, midway through the season, um, they went their only non-wins. They went a tie to Hinsdale Central, lost to Glenbrook North, and a tie to Maine South, and they didn't lose the rest of the way. Kind of a wake-up call um, against Maine South, I'd say, and the loss, and uh, they didn't uh, they didn't falter the rest of the way. Uh, ended the season on a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, eight, like about a 12 to 15 match winning streak. I feel like we also we definitely talked about that, you know, in way or no way. I'm sure you, I don't know if you want to go and pull back the tape or anything like that, but we've definitely talked about whether that was a big moment for them. And obviously, it was just being able to learn from those moments and going on go on a run like they did. I'm sure you know they use those moments in order to, you know, figure out a way to beat Taft and you know penalty kicks or how do you beat GBN after they beat you earlier in the season? I mean, obviously, you want to you know win every single game, but sometimes as cliche it is for a coach to say, sometimes you learn much more, you know, in the loss than you do in the win. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And a season in any sport uh, is a roller coaster, even if you're the best team, you know, you go through some sort of adversity um, and it's how you respond to that. What's the character of your team? What is, uh, what does that translate to on the field? And that a lot of times defines a season for teams. So I think it certainly did here. Um, and if we're looking at kind of the makeup of this team, again, just kind of stars and solid players all over the field. Um, you had a uh, Kevin Farina in the back who who also would, you know, would come up on set pieces and do a great job, but anchored that defense as a senior and a co-captain. And then up front, you had guys like uh, Aiden O'Neill, who can't say enough about Aiden O'Neill. This is his only year playing uh, soccer for the Trevians. He was in academy ball. Uh, he comes to play high school ball, and he helps take them wire to wire. And this is an all-state guy. You were talking about uh, twenty-plus goals, you know, ten assists. Um, clearly, the leader, at least in the offensive categories for his team, going to Northwestern to play soccer. So, um, while 
he's the star, I would say, maybe the, the shiniest. This, this whole team, he really set in motion and freed other guys up um, to, to, to make this team go um, in a lot of other ways that just weren't from him. So um, this, this, this team was special, and I think across the board, and um, I think Coach Matt Ravenscraft was building something off of the kind of iconic tenure of Craig Fairbairn for years, who won two titles himself, the former coach. Uh, Ravenscraft is building something too here. And he, I think he and his staff deserve a lot of credit for getting to this point. All right. We'll talk more in here, more from the boys soccer uh, champions here in the second quarter, but uh, we also had state uh, cross country happen over the weekend. Um, and we had a really impressive performance from new Trier's, uh boys runner, Ben Crane, um, kind of redeeming himself after finishing 10th in the two mile race last year. Um, as a sophomore this year, he took third place overall um, with a time of 14 minutes and 20.16 seconds. Joe, just a, um, a really impressive performance to lead a Nutrier team um, that had also, as a team, had a strong performance, finishing seventh overall. Yeah, it, uh, third place is obviously super special. And in a cross country, it was with 300 people. Um, it, 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 it's huge. It's, it's really special and, and outrageous performance by by a junior and um you know as i talked about in the story in the spring in the track season in the 3200 meters he finished uh, 10th and um like one one hundredth off an all-state finish and um coach matt sloan the cross-country coach said from there it looked like ben didn't like that too much and uh stepped up his game and, and his performance were all exemplary from there on out in the cross-country season i think he had a say there around 10 finishes um, a handful of, I think, three or four second place, and the rest were first place finishes, including conference regional and uh, sectional championships. And then uh, he, he comes in third and sets a junior um, class record um, at Nutrier. So those are all big, big marks for him. And um, he's coming back, um, obviously, as a senior, and you could expect him to, to be kind of uh, the top the top senior in the class in the state uh, next season but uh, he led, led his team to seventh and uh quite a year for him and quite a year for the track really impressive just to see him you know accomplish that and a lot of good stuff from uh, a lot of different runners highland park wrapped up its special season with the 10th place 10 fi uh, team finish uh led by senior nade wenner um down in class 1a2 north shore country day runners owen kettle and aramis ty garcia wrapped up their high school careers with top half finishes um, Loyal Academy junior Jane Lynch faced 29th overall. Katie Mueller took 129. So a lot of good performances, Joe, to wrap up the cross-country season here. Yep. Yeah, it was great. Uh, obviously, this this area is a hotbed for a lot of athletic activity, but cross-country is sure up there, uh, and they showed out in this one, um, both on the boys' and the girls' side. Highland Park finishing 10th was huge. Just two really star runners heading that class, and, uh, yeah, it was quite a meet for us. For us locally all right we will talk more about uh stuff going on here in the future in the fourth quarter but why don't we move on over now to the second quarter where we are joined by some new trier uh champions we'll get some uh players in there and coaches as well joe uh what are the folks at home going to hear uh they're going to hear um coach matt ravenscraft talk about that uh that state championship feeling and what led to this and some of his favorite moments all right, let's have a listen. Winning the state title, Coach, what's going through your head? 
it's an indescribable feeling. Um, <laughs> I, I, I burst into tears at the final whistle. It's, uh, it's something that um, every, it's every coach's dream, yeah. I think, in this state. And, and there are, I think there's a tremendous amount of coaches who do great work with kids um, each and every season who, you know, who, who deserve moments like this and, and maybe don't, don't get them. So mm-hmm. I feel incredibly blessed to, to be here with phenomenal coaching staff. Um, my assistant coaches, Ryan Norris and Chris Vandenberg, I mean, uh, they're the best in business. And uh, I, love, I love doing work with them every day. The team was phenomenal. My family was in the stands. My dad flew in from California this awesome. morning to, to be here with, uh, with the rest of uh, my wife's family. And uh, it's just extremely special to, to hug my kids and, and hug my dad and my, my in-laws after the game. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think uh, you know, I played high school soccer, for I should say, and um, brought back some of those memories yeah. of a kid playing in the tournament. And it, there's just nothing like this, this sport. This often the states do a great job hosting. And these, these are just, I think these are memories from this weekend and from this, this state run that I will have for the rest of my life, that the boys will have for Absolutely. the rest of my life, that families Absolutely. will have. So I think Each that's one of them talked about that. They had the yeah. running joke that when they're grandpas, they're going to be sitting yeah. on the front porch joking yeah. about and remembering totally. tonight. Totally. Um, so to be honest, there's so much that I've not really processed because we were just pretty pretty focused on, on the next game and the, or the next practice. And I think that's part of the reason why we were able to be successful uh-huh. and meet the challenge. Um, and so now that, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a surreal feeling, yeah. you because know, I think in my in my head I'm kind of thinking, okay, what's the next challenge, or where, um, you know, what team do we need to scout, or you know, when's the next game? And it's like, no, this is this is it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's nice. When you a guard good sleep for the first time. <laughs> when you started out earlier this summer, coach, did you think a night like tonight was possible? I I always believe that that the New Trip Boys Soccer Program can compete at the state level. And uh, and that's like one of the best parts about this job is is that the amount of talent that that we have and and uh, I think that the program that we have built collectively and I not just Ryan and, and Chris but the entire program all the coaches are part of this um, and so yeah no I, I think that it, it's got to come together obviously mm-hmm. things have to kind of go your way and there's obviously there's a, a lot of um, you know growth that happens over the course of the season but yeah I believe and it's just about doing the work each and every day and then. Here we are. So the opening yeah. strike from Ian, coach, talk about just the moment of brilliance that was. Absolutely. And well, what was going through your head when you saw that ball going to the I back once, of the net? Once he hit it, I thought if that's on frame, that's going top in. And uh, you know, it hit the back of the net, and and that it just went off on the bench. I mean, so the running joke is that Ian is good for one goal a season. He has scored <laughs> one goal his sophomore year, one goal his junior year. And now one goal is senior. Tonight was the first one. And so the first two seasons, sophomore year and junior, he scored on homecoming. So the joke was, all right, when your your next goal or your one goal is coming at homecoming. He didn't score on homecoming. I remember at the banquet saying, you know, Ian, Ian jokes that he's a one goal a season guy. He's just he's saving it for a bigger moment. Yeah. Time. We didn't get it. Pick the right time. He couldn't have picked a bigger moment. So. Um, yeah, so that was uh, that was special. The yeah. midfield again, uh, building oh. off that for you tonight, Coach. Obviously, Aiden Cole, yeah. um, just the work. Dave Yoder, yeah. Dominating possession, just really controlling the game through there. How huge was the midfield for you again? Tonight? I mean, it was really important that we kept the ball and that we controlled the tempo, because um, when the game got stretched and when and when we ended up defending set pieces and corners, you saw how dangerous we also how dangerous Lions Township could be. So we had to be brave. We had to move the ball. We had to find space. And um, and that allowed us, I think, to have success, not only in breaking them down, but just, like, 
killing portions of the game. You know, so that was that was key. And they played some of their best soccer this, tonight. So, what an environment. <laughs> the run from Kevin there in the second half. Oh uh, talk about that goal, Coach. And <laughs> I, 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 honestly, I, I'm, I have no words for that. <laughs> yeah, I know uh, his family was in the stands. I saw at least, I saw his parents. I saw at least two of his older brothers. He said inside, he was yeah. like, at a certain point, I knew there was no way I was passing the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we thought that too. So once Kevin gets going, you know, he knows where the goal is. He's yeah. a burrito. Yeah. And, uh. You know, so once he beat his last man, all he had to do was slot it. And I was so, honestly, just so so proud of him and so happy for him for that moment. And the crowd erupted. And that was, I'll, I'll remember that forever. So Obviously a, a magnificent year for you guys, Coach. Yeah. Just how rewarding does it feel being able to put the finishing touch on that year yeah. and just make it essentially the, the perfect I campaign? Mean, yeah, really. I mean, there's only one team, right, that gets to uh, – on the final game of the season, um, I, 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 my hope, and I think we did accomplish this goal, is we wanted to, we wanted to play soccer. We wanted to play a possession-based style, attacking-based style. Um, you know, it's, it's been years in the making. Um, there are so many great players that have come through our program that have given everything, and, and they haven't had this moment, but they are part of it. So, um, certainly for this team. It's, it's a wonderful achievement um, to see alumni in the stands and to hear from alumni during this whole run. It's been just such a special thing. So. When you have a chance to look back on this year, Coach, obviously the state title will be the takeaways, but what are some of the other memories and uh, takeaways you'll have from just this incredible year? Yeah, that is, that is a great question. Um, you know, honestly, just tr- like practice or training with the boys every day was the best mm-hmm. part of my day, all fall. So... Um, you know, it's, it's uh, I love teaching, but it's, it's a hard job. <laughs> it requires a lot. And so, you know, no matter what kind of day I was having, when I got to go out and be with the boys, um, it, was, it was just wonderful. So in terms of special memories, um, I'm trying to think. I mean, obviously beating Evanston at their place is, is always special and maintaining the hydrant. Um, we had some big conference wins. Last um, night had to feel, feel pretty good, too. Yeah, last, last, last night was big. The yeah, only blemish on the record. Right, yeah, and, and GBN made us work for it, so that was, I mean, it felt it felt storybook in that uh-huh. one, that we had a chance to, to you know, beat the team that, that had given us our only loss, and we took care of business. Um, but, yeah, even just, um, I'm trying to think, you know, early, early team stuff, before school even started doing um, an escape room activity with the boys. Um, you know, just uh, doing some team bonding activities um, throughout the season, just being with them, being with them and spending time with them and getting to know them as human beings and getting to know their families and just all the, it takes a lot. Mm-hmm. And everybody really, like, we want to run a first-class program, and that means it's going to require a lot for coaches, for parents, for players, but it, it means more yeah. know, doing it this way. Our program trainings, we meet with the program, the entire program, six times in the season. Oh, also doing the, um, the Urban Initiative uh, you know, having the entire program and welcoming the Urban Initiative schools uh, on our on our campus is pretty special as well. So, yeah. Thank you, as always, to all the players and coaches who join us each and every week. Always appreciate everybody's insight and congratulations again to the Trevians on a great season and the Ra- and the Raiders. Um, a lot of great stuff and a lot of great moments. Appreciate you guys taking some time to talk to us um, and uh, congratulations again. All right, let's move on over now to the third quarter where we play Way or No Way. That is where I throw out five propositions, and Joe and I argue or agree upon whether they can happen way or no way they cannot happen. 
All right, Joe, we're going to go stick with boys soccer, I guess. Uh, way or no way, this North Shore Country Day Boys Soccer Championship is one of the best moments in athletics programs in the in the athletics program's history. No doubt, it's it's huge. It's the first. Um, so way, way big way. It's a, a first for field sports uh, for North Shore Country Day. So you know we're talking um, basically any any team sport um, from basketball to baseball to to volleyball. Um, softball what have you um soccer is the first one boys soccer to win a state championship so they have two titles uh boys golf has two titles and so does girls tennis um in, in their respective classes but this is the first one for a team field sport so uh, i think it's it's really a special moment for the raiders athletics department and the whole north shore country day community yeah i think that's a definite way just with what it means for the group and you know, how it figures to what the athletic program wants to accomplish. I think it's definitely a way just being able to get that first one, share that moment and kind of build some, you know, success and build some, you know, camaraderie. I think that's always fun as well. So um, definitely a way on that one. I think that's a really great moment for them. All right, Joe, I feel like I always ask this question anytime a new trier team wins a state championship, but I feel like it's always a great argument. Um, way or no way, the new trier boys soccer program is one of the better ones at new trier. One of the better ones, way, but I mean, one day, one day we should sit down and rank them, like have a, like have a new Trier program draft. Um, we do that one. Let's save that for the summer. We're gonna need that. Up I like summer. that. I like that because you know we got girls, girls and boys swimming. Um, we've got um, uh, the tennis, the golf, um, all just unbelievable programs. Field hockey, lacrosse hockey regular hockey although that's not affiliated with the school technically um but uh, soccer's up there and and on both sides um but this is really the first boys so if we're ranking them i don't think boys soccer ranks as high as some of those other ones um just in terms of successes but um obviously they're a contender almost every single year um they've got multiple state titles in the bank i'm um, in the trophy cases i should say um so um i'd say it's one you know if you asked one of them you made it easy for me i'll say way yeah i think that's uh yeah i would agree with you there i think you know obviously they've got a lot of great programs a lot of great stuff going on and i can't wait for this episode um during the summer just a nice little happier tease but um i i, I think yeah i think you know with all the great stuff that they've got going on in new Trier, um i would i would agree with you there and i think uh, way they're you know one of them, but uh, I don't know if we could say exactly at the top, but maybe you could make sure you listen during the summer when we have that uh, conversation. All right, Joe, we've got girls swimming and diving state uh, championships happening in Westmont this upcoming weekend. Way or no way, New Trier will have an individual state champion. Uh, I think so. I think they'll get one. Um, they have uh, their relays are probably their best chance. And of course, um, New Trier on, on both the boys and the girls, but girls especially preach relay, relay, relay. That's uh, who they are. That's how they win a lot of their, um, that's how they get a lot of their success. So we're looking at both the, the 200 and the, and the 400 freeze are pretty good for them. Um, I think they're also ranked number one um, coming in. Ah, I can't remember if it's the 100 breast or 100 back. I think it's the 100 breaststroke. Um, they're going in with the top seeded time. And you know, we always see certain swimmers step up at the state meet too. So it's all not all about the seating times, 
Uh, but I say we walk away with at least one for Nutrier and, and look out for Loyola on the diver. She's, uh, she, I think it's Greta Kavanaugh is coming in with the top uh, ranked points there. Yeah, I think I'll go with uh, away there as well. I think, you know, with just all the talent that, you know, Nutria has and now Loyola obviously has as well. Um, I think there's a good chance that, I think there's a good chance that Nutria, you know, wins this one. So I think uh, there's, you know, there's even the chance, you know, that they can win the whole thing as a team. I know obviously that's much harder um, and more of a depth thing um, when it comes to the, t- uh, the team event. But obviously you saw that in tennis. And I think that there's a possibility for this Nutria team um, to do that as well. So um, I will go with uh, Way. I think that we'll definitely have a champion there moving forward. All right, Joe. Uh, obviously, we talked about um, Highland Park and what um, it accomplished this season. And you talked about, you know, the people who are leaving and coming back and that kind of stuff. Way or no way, I'm going to make you do an early prediction. They return to the playoffs next season. Mm. Oh, I'd love to see. I wonder if they have a, a, the same schedule. Um, I mean, I'll say yes. I'll say they ride it a little further, but it's not going to be easy because we're coming in with a new quarterback, especially. I think that's the biggest thing, what, what David Finfer did as a three-year starting quarterback. You know, it took him till his third year to, to lead his team to the playoffs. So um, coming in with a new guy, whoever it may be, um, we saw um, somebody gets lost some time this year in and out, but um, – I think that's going to be their most difficult piece of the puzzle um, to really build on that success. But they do have some other pieces around that that should stick and um, be pretty good. Um, but I'll say, yeah, they eke out a fifth win for back to back seasons. That would be huge. Um, yeah, I, think I, I think I'm being a little optimistic, but I think so. I think I'll go with the way there. I mean, obviously, we don't know the non-conference schedule, but we know a majority of your schedule in the CSL North. And I think Highland Park has kind of built itself up now as being one of the better teams in that conference. I mean, obviously, you still got Maine West um, in the conference, and I'm curious to see how Niles West does over the year now that it's going to be in the CSL North, but or maybe it won't be. That's a conversation, actually, for the fifth question I have here. But um, I, I, I'm curious to see, you know, how much, you know, they're able to continue and grow and how that schedule comes together. So I'll go with Wayne now. Um, obviously, we'll talk about this a billion times before they actually play the next time in, in August. But um, an early look, I would probably say away. Um, they definitely have a chance of making it back into the playoffs. All right, the fifth way or no way, Joe, we've talked about districting a little bit here um, in previous episodes. That's um, officially out there now that is going to be considered again. And um, actually, in this proposal, they actually want to institute it as soon as next season for the 2024 year. Um, we've talked about your feelings about it and whether, you know, you like it or not. Um, but way or no way, you think that this is actually going to happen this time. Um, and once we get into 2024, we will actually have district football as opposed to conference football. Ooh. By this year, no, I don't think it'll happen by this year. Um, I think that uh, it'll, it'll gain some support, um, but I think there'll be a lot of coaches who are pushing for um, – I think there'll be the coaches for the coaches against, and then there'll be a, a gray area coaching uh, programs, whatever it is that are saying, let's just give it more time, maybe another year, maybe 2025. Um, and I think that might influence the, the decision makers um, in the end. Um, so I'll say, no, I think, I think it's, it's a quick turnaround, but I do think we're going to get there. I mean, this is the second time it's come up. I mean, the first time it, it was going to happen. Um, so I think uh, this one with some tweaks, it will. I just don't. I don't. I don't think it'll happen by next year, um, uh, regardless of my point of view. 
Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the no way. I don't think it happens this year. I'm pretty much on the record of being anti, you know, this plan and that kind of stuff. I think there are, you know, some benefits to it, obviously, for a lot of schools and the reason why they're proposing it. But I do think that a lot of, I think a lot of coaches, a lot of athletic directors and a lot of schools will be against this plan. I'm sure most of the CCLECC will be against this plan. I think you've got a lot of big conferences um, who would be against this plan, whether that's in, I, I obviously don't know this for sure, but I would assume, you know, coaches in the Fox Valley, the Central, the Mid-Suburban League and all that kind of stuff. But, I, you know, I, I think that there's a conversation that needs to be had about, you know, all these teams who are scheduling out-of-state opponents and not playing within the, you know, within the state. And that's the big reason why a lot of these athletic directors want to do this because it's hard to schedule, you know, their schedules. But um, I think there's a better way of doing it as opposed to doing a district model, which um, really takes away from a lot of seasons, especially based on how the districts would be organized. So um, I, I think it's too quick right now. I don't think it's going to happen in 2024. And for the longer conversation, I don't think it should be happening later on. I think, you know, for conferences, I think there's a different way of solving scheduling issues and that kind of stuff as opposed to forcing teams to play each other in the same district. All right, let's move on over now to the fourth quarter where we are down to one football team. That is Loyola. Obviously we're used to talking about the Ramblers at this point of the season. Um, Loyola will travel to St. Ignatius on Saturday and play at 3 PM. Um, we are, uh, we are solely into the Saturday games now, which I understand why they're doing it, but also kind of takes away from opportunities to see two games during the weekend, if not three, if you want to um, have some fun on a Saturday doubleheader. But um, that's a conversation, I guess, for a later point. But um, a really interesting matchup here, Joe, where St. Ignatius, obviously a triple team option, uh, triple option team. Uh, I don't think Loyola has seen that at all this season. And I'm really curious to see how, you know, that defense and that defensive coaching staff prepares for a, a St. Ignatius offense that, you know, runs a triple option, but also um, is not afraid to pass it. No, that interests me too. Um, anything new at this point interests me just to see uh, Loyola react and maybe, um, maybe stumble a little bit. Um, but, um, you know, cause they haven't shown many weaknesses um, at all this season. So let's see if, if this can do it, and I think it's going to take something original um, to do that, you know, you're not going to do it with a with a normal type offense. I, you know, normal sets. I don't think you are. Anyway, so maybe, and, and I really don't think you, even with the triple option, you're going to do it with the run game. So you're going to have to pass um, against Loyola uh, to figure them out on the defensive end. So yeah, sure, sure, it could happen. I, I don't, I don't think it will. Um, you know, as soon as. As soon as St. Ignatius gives the ball back, Loyal is uh, still, I think, getting better on the offensive end. Uh, you mentioned that special thing, and I think that special thing could be Ohio State commit Justin Scott running the ball. He's been um, added since week nine, 310 pounds. Um, opponents have really struggled against that, and uh, Coach Matt Miller has uh, instituted that more into his game plan now and uh, did that against uh, in St. Ignatius's win against Huntley. Um, Scott ran 30, 29 yards for a touchdown, and the videos are always pretty funny just watching him, you know, bulldoze past kids. I, I, the biggest question I have, Joe, if St. Ignatius is going to run this in this offense, does Loyola have the physicality to stop a 310 lineman from, you know, bulldozing over them and getting into the end zone? I mean, yes. I also wouldn't call the videos funny. I find them scary. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's a better vote. I guess right. if you're the kid, if you're the kid who is who Scott is running at, I'm sure it's probably a little bit different than as opposed to just walking from the sidelines. Yeah, I certainly don't. I, I don't have the the skill and the size of somebody like Justin Scott, so I more picture myself as the the poor guy on the ground. But um, yeah, I, I just think Loyola has too much for Justin Scott and his and the offense to do that. Um, he's going to have Joe Kelly, Quinn Herbert, and and McGovern on him all at once, and that's you know seven hundred pounds of person. Um, at once. So I just, uh, maybe they can get some hay and short yardage. I think that's possible. I just don't, they're not going to be able to do it, you know, positive yards, you know, 10 times, 20 times. It's not, that's just not going to happen. But at the right time in the right spurt, I mean, he, 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 he can get you positive yardage. So I think that could happen. They get, get loyal on their heels a little bit. Obviously watching that video and see he's an intimidating person can you make Loyola hesitate for a second? So if it's a, you know, fourth and two at the two yard line, you, you get in the end zone, which a lot of teams haven't been able to do this year. Um, Mount Carmel, for instance, um, maybe that happens. So I, I think that's a, a, um, a powerful weapon to have that other teams don't that could solve the Loyola problem. Where, uh, you know, talking about Scott, Scott as a runner, how do you kind of feel like this Loyola offensive line will be able to stop him as a defensive pass rusher? Obviously, he's, you know, going to Ohio State. He has the physical talent. He's been mauling quarterbacks and stopping rushers for much of the season. Based on what you've seen from this offensive line this year, um, do you feel like they have enough to kind of stop them from getting to Fitzgerald and even McPherson as he's running the ball? Yeah, I do. Um, I just think that the... the the offensive job, um, the offensive plan, diversity scheme that, that Loyal is able to do, the options they have, they'll just work around Scott and uh, they'll double team them, triple team, whatever they have to do. Fitzgerald will make um, the, the, the smart play out of the backfield, whether it's, um, you know, making the pass or running with the football. He's proven to be super effective at that. Um, I just don't think he has stopped. Loyola with one person. It's got to really be someone else has to step up here. So what is one essential thing here in this game that Loyola needs to do in order to win? If you have to say like one thing um, that the Ramblers, you know, absolutely need to do if they want to move on to the semifinals here, uh, what, uh, what is it? Yeah, I guess it would be. Um, that's a good question because I, I just think they're they're in a, such an advantageous position here against St. Ignatius that if it's one thing they have to do, I would say probably get up early and, and um, force St. Ignatius, like limit their offense a little more, you know, uh, make them have to throw it so you can stop the guessing a little bit uh, with their multiple formations. Um, so, yeah, I would I would say let's let's get on top fast. Yeah, I think the offense is a major key in this game. I think, you know, they performed really well throughout this entire season. But um, getting off to a quick offensive start, I agree, will put Ignatius on the heels where, you know, you can't run the ball if you're down 14. you got to figure out a way to get back into the game. And you don't want to take a chunk, of, a lot of time off your uh, off the clock in order to do that. But, um, yeah, I would agree the offense, you know, needs to figure out a way to kind of score early. And they have shown that a lot, um, whether it's thinking, you know, little screen passes in order to, um, get the ball quickly out of Fitzgerald's hands or whether you're 
you know, moving to the side quickly than you may, you know, usually. Um, I'm curious to see how the offensive game plan is going to be and how quick this offense can go against Ignatius's defense, which, um, you know, Ignatius has been able to score a lot this season, but um, when it comes to the defense, I think they've had some really strong performances, but they have let some teams, you know, put up the score a little bit there and uh, put up some points. Um, so I'm curious to see, you know, how they're able to kind of keep up with that as uh, you kind of have a, a higher paced offense like Loyola is moving forward here. All right, Joe, before we get on to the prediction show, uh, since we only have uh, Loyola to pre uh, preview this week, any other matchups that you're kind of looking forward to this weekend here as we head into the quarterfinals? Because you do this to me every time, and um, that's that's a knock on me, not you. I don't know why <laughs> I didn't have this in front of me, um, which I which I usually do. But um, let me help you. I feel like the game of the weekend is probably well, you got a couple game of the weekends. I think you know Barrington against um, yeah, main side huge game there. I think that's a really impressive game. Um, I'm really curious to see what happens in that one, and I'm also very curious to see what happens between Nazareth and Carmel. Uh, Carmel just hasn't been has been having such a great season and Nazareth obviously is trying to pull off the impossible here so um, I think you've got a couple games obviously I, you know add some more if you want to add some more but there are some pretty elite quarterfinal matchups here that we've got going on that um, really feel like big time games at this point yeah and um, since you have it open in my IHSA is not wanting to go to football for whatever reason um, exactly. Lincoln Way West is playing. Is it? Are they Batavia? No, uh, Downers Grove North, right? Yeah, yeah, they're playing yeah, Downers Grove. And, uh, Lincoln Way West, obviously my hometown, but also th their head coach is a friend of mine. So uh, really rooting for them. They've had a really nice comeback season this year after missing the playoffs last year. Um, third round of the postseasons, nothing to frown upon. Let's see if they can give Downers Grove North a little run for their money. Downers Grove North playing pretty good football, but uh, I like that. Who's Batavia got? Batavia, my thing is not loading at all, so I can't tell you right now who they're going to be playing. Yeah, I, 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 I was like watching these all weekend um, and, and talking about the matchups with my friends, but I know I can't. <laughs> that figures. Uh, talk about two unprepared guys. We, we don't write things down. We count on the internet, and now the internet's failing us. Um, maybe too much traction on the uh, IHSA site today. Probably. Probably talking bylaws. Yeah, exactly. Um, what else can we look at down in? I'm really curious about this Edwardsville uh, yes. York matchup yes. because those yes. are the two teams that Loyola would potentially play if they beat St. Ignatius on Saturday. Um, you potentially have, you know, we might have to yell about this next week, but if Edwardsville wins this game, there's a high likelihood that Loyola, the number one seed, will need to travel down to Edwardsville in the semifinals because I think Edwardsville has only hosted one playoff game. So, and okay. Edwardsville, you know, they only lost to East St. Louis by 12 points. I think that was the closest matchup. They beat, uh, I forget what the team's called in uh, Missouri, but they're a really good team, one of the better teams in the nation. So if I'm Loyola, um, maybe you don't ask for it exactly, but I don't know if I want to see Edwardsville in the semifinals because I think Edwardsville, Edwardsville has shown that uh, it can compete with some of the better teams in the state and in the country. Yeah, and that's just such uh, so silly that they would have to do that, um, but wouldn't be the first time. And uh, if you know, obviously, if they don't change anything, it won't be the last. But uh, that's going to be a good matchup in and of itself. I, I, I'm very interested to see how that one plays out too. Um, 
we talked about that. Yeah, you mentioned Carmel and Nazareth. It's going to be it's going to be a good weekend. And then yeah, you also have state swimming. So I, I expect Nutrier again to compete for a third straight girls championship. Let's see if they can pull that off. All right, Joe, let's get a prediction out of you. Loyola travels to St. Ignatius on Saturday, a nice little Jesuit Cup matchup to go to the state semifinals. What happens between the Ramblers and the Wolfpack? I, I think the Ramblers are just too complete of a team here. I don't give the Wolfpack too much. Um, I don't think the Wolfpack give them too much of a challenge. I expect a similar score this week. Let's make it a little tighter. Let's say 31-3. Uh, to three. So you have them scoring more than Nikwa Valley did, or less than Nikwa Valley did. Oh, yeah, Nikwa Valley put up six, but again, at the end of the game. Um, I think I'll go. I think it's. I think it'll be a competitive game for the first quarter and maybe two quarters. I think the triple option, my, I think the triple option, no matter how good of a defense you have, if you haven't seen it this year, it's kind of tough once you first see it. So um, I think, you know, they're tied around seven or 14 early on, but I think it turns into a shootout that, St. Ignatius just can't keep up with with Loyola's offense, and I think Loyola wins, um, 32 to 17. Um, I think Ignatius gets that field goal later in the game, but I think Loyola wins this game and is heading on to the semifinals. I just think they have too much talent, and uh, the defense is a little too smart to kind of let you know St. Ignatius hold on to them um, that late in the game. So it should be a fun matchup there. But a lot of great stuff to look forward to this weekend, like we talked about. Um, so hopefully you're going to be out there and watching and keeping up with us, keeping up with us as well. Just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they are available. Make sure you like us, give us a nice little review. We always appreciate it. It helps us uh, to get to more listeners who also appreciate high school sports in the North Shore area. Make sure you check out all of our work at Friday Night Drive. We've got predictions, preview capsules, notebooks. Um, we'll have almost every single quarterfinal game covered for you folks. So make sure you check out our work at Friday Night Drive. And as always, make sure you subscribe and donate to the Record North Shore. And that was a big month for the record with the Newsmax. So make sure you're taking part in that and helping out uh, the uh, Record North Shore and all the show's great coverage. Make sure you help out there. So thank you. Thank for you. doing that, oh, go ahead. I said thank you for that show. Yeah. Uh, but uh, for Joe and I, thanks so much for joining us this week. Enjoy the weekend, and we will talk to you guys down the road. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Varsity uh, product of the record, NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. 